You're listening to a message from Stonegate Church in Midlothian, Texas. For more information about Stonegate and additional audio resources, visit Stonegate-Church.com. Good morning. Welcome uh, to Stonegate. That's been said earlier, so I'm going to say it again. Uh, If you are new, uh, you have walked in a sermon, a, a series of sermons that uh, it's focused on Romans chapter 8. Uh, what I'm not going to do is to recap uh, those first three series pertaining or sermons pertaining to the sermon. You can go on the church's website and uh, hear Rodney explain verses 1 through 8. We have worked our way up to chapter 8. Today, my heart and my desire is to go through Romans, uh, uh, is to address or preach from verses 9 through 11. (coughs) With that being said, without going through or giving much commentary of verses 1 through 8 outward, I I would love to uh, uh, just to uh, recite the word of God over your hearts. So for the next couple of minutes, I'm gonna ask that you would ask him just to, that you would just allow God's word to edify, that you would allow God's word to encourage you, that you would ask God now, God, just to make my heart sensitive to your word and also, God, to just renew my mind as the word of God is being is being recited over, uh, over my life this morning. Romans 8 says that there is no, therefore no condemnation to those of us who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set us free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. He, God, condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us not for those who walk according to the flesh, but those who walk according to the spirit. For those who live according to the flesh, they set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit, they set their minds on the things of the spirit. For the mind that is set on the flesh is death, but the mind that is set on the spirit is life, in peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it, it does not submit to God's law. Paul says, indeed, it cannot. For those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Paul, from verses 1 through four, he's encouraging 
the Roman church that though they may and might struggle with sin like he did in verses uh, in chapter 7, that there is no condemnation that God, that, that God, he fulfilled the righteous requirement of the law for them in Christ. But then Paul, he makes a turn from verses 8 and uh, from verses 5 through 8, which, which Rodney preached on last week. He's, he's addressing the two mentalities, those who are in the flesh and those who are in the spirit. He concludes that by saying those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But then he turns again in verse 9, and he's writing to the church at Rome, and he's saying, but you, you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God dwells inside of you. If anyone has the spirit of, of Christ, he says, does not have him, does not belong to God. So Paul, he's, he's wanting to encourage the wrong. He says, now, though I have explained those who are in the flesh, those who are in the spirit, let me tell you what, I, what I've heard and observed about you. You are not dominated, swayed, and are controlled by the flesh but by the Spirit. Isn't it encouraging every once in a while for somebody else to acknowledge that you are not controlled by the old sinful nature, but by the divine nature that God has placed in you? I was, uh, I was in a place of confinement. Uh, this place of, of confinement told me when to eat, when to play, and when to go to bed. It was a place of confinement. At this place of confinement in Midway, Texas, every once in a while they would let us out to play basketball. Now, if you did not know, now I'm going to let you in on a secret. I was a bad boy in high school. I had game. I had a 41-inch vertical. Don't worry about it. I know, I know, I know that's bad. I, I know that's good. So, so I was at, at this place of confinement doing my thing on the basketball court, juking and jiving and shooting. But I had game. Uh, one incident, I was going to the goal to put somebody in, that is to duck on somebody. His name was Stop Six out of Fort Worth, Texas. And stop six in this moment was not about to be dunked on. So he pushed me. He pushed me. I fell hard to the ground. Now, now by this time, I've probably been saved for about 18 months. Stop six, he pushed me down to the ground. Now, stop six, he also was about 6'2", about 220, 230. I was 6'2 and a half, uh, wearing about 260. So even, even if I sized him up, I knew I could take stop six out. He come out at me and said, man, yo, what's up? And he, then he calls me out my name. So I, I get up off the ground. I sized him up. Man, I could really do you in right now because I got these hands too. <laughs> got these hands. But in this moment, I've probably been saved for about 18 months. I walked away. 
Now, you don't walk away in this place of confinement. You just don't do that. That's not, you don't do that. You don't, you don't walk away. You, you fight. But I walked away. It was count time. So now you know where I am. I'm in jail, y'all. You figured it out. I'm in jail. So, so man, so man, at, at, so when, so when count time ended, stop six, he, he comes to my bunk. He comes to my bunk and says, hey, Valentine, I'm sorry. He said, you are a real Christian. You, you, you are not controlled by your flesh, but you are controlled by your spirit. And he acknowledged in that moment that I was a real Christian, a true and authentic Christian. See, one of my points is, this, is, this, is that when the spirit of God, he dwells inside of you, it determines whether, you, whether you, a person is a true Christian or not. And when you have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of you, man, there will be tests, there will be opportunities, man, for there to really see if you are safe, if you are in the flesh overall or, or not. This guy, because you know, the only reason why I was able to walk away from that situation, go to my book, cry like a baby, say, man, I look like a less than a man in that moment. And half peaceful was because the Spirit of God was dwelling in me and reminding me, you belong to me. See, when the Spirit of God dwells in you, Paul says it is quite evident. Paul goes on to say, even in the same verse, however you are not in the flesh, but, 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 uh, but in the spirit, if in fact the spirit of Christ dwells inside you. Now, let me, let me flesh out two things in, in this text. First of all, this word if. If is not causing doubt in this text. As a matter of fact, it's actually a conditional, a first class conditional sentence, which means that the author is assuming that what he is saying is true, is correct, is accurate. So the if could be, uh, 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 could be, uh, another word for if could be since the spirit of Christ is in you. If in fact the spirit of God is in, uh, dwells in you, Anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. So Paul is saying to me, I'm not doubting that you guys, I know that you guys are, 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 are in the flesh and not in the spirit because, because the spirit of God, he dwells inside. Now this idea of dwelling it's, it's a mystery that, that Jesus fleshed out in, in John chapter 14, 23 to his disciples. John chapter 14 and John chapter 16, he's going to flesh out what is the job and role of the Holy Spirit. But just a quick rundown. This word dwell actually means in the Greek, the word home. And, and this is it's used as a verb. So it is saying that the spirit is going to dwell in a certain place. 
And, 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 and for Christians, here it is, God, the all-forgiving, the all-powerful, the all-providing, the all-redeeming God has chosen to dwell in believers. That, 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 that God, with you and I, has chosen to make his habitation within you and I. Now, Paul is saying that if you don't have the spirit, that's death. But if you have the spirit, in this case, that dwells inside of you, that's life. And not only that, but it also says that you belong to God. Paul says it like this in, uh, in Corinthians, uh, in 1 Corinthians 6. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, which dwells, which is, which is within you, whom you have for God? You are not your own, he says. He says, you have been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God with your body. Paul is saying, do you not know Corinth, that meant that, that, that God, that you are a temple of God where the Holy Spirit dwells, lives, has chosen to reside in? Well, Arthur has, 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 has this to say. The Spirit is not only resident in the believer in a sense of position in him, but he is actively at home in him, living in him as his home. It refers to being in one's own home. The Spirit of God makes his home in every person who trusts in Jesus Christ. And here is the good news, that when the Spirit decides to make his home, in your body, you cannot, there's not a sin or sins that can give him a peace slip or eviction notice. He, when he dwells, he dwells, it's permanent dwelling. There's nothing you can do. Say, hey, here you go. You evicted. No, 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 no. Now, you can quench him. You can grieve him. You can resist him. But you never can give him an eviction notice. Sin cannot, there's nothing you can do. Say, get out, know it. This is my temple. You are, this is my body. This is my home now. Now you die. But I didn't leave, but I ain't going anywhere. That's good news to me, y'all. Because every once in a while, every once, not to us, but every once in a while, I could act crazy. I can see it. I can mess up. But there's never an amount of messing up or a degree of, of, of a certain sin where he says, peace, I'm out of He's promised in Hebrews 13, 5, I will never leave you nor forsake. Does that not give you life? Does that not, man, energize you? Does that not build you up, motivate you? Why? It's powerful because the Spirit of God, who can also be called the Spirit, who can also be called the Spirit of Christ, dwell, he has decided to make his abode in you. You have life because he 
dwells in you. You have life because, because he dwells in you. It's been fixed that, 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 that Christ would never categorize you as being dominated by the flesh. But because you have been filled, and we'll get to that in a minute, with the Spirit, he says, listen, point one, you dwell, I dwell in you, you're not in the flesh, you're in the spirit, and you can never give me any, any eviction. And y'all, we need to just pause again and think about this. Because, just because the spirit of God dwells in us, it does not remove from us or in us difficulties, struggles, and pains. He just said the reassuring thing about when you go through, when you are struggling internally, when you are struggling from the outside, the beauty is that because I've decided to dwell with you, I've promised to never leave you or to, to forsake you. Number one, that should give us life. But there's another aspect of this. Well, how does he dwell in us? How does that process look? Well, Paul, he explains that. And verse 10, but if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, he says that the spirit is life because of righteousness. Now, let me take this little by little and, and try to finish real fast. First of all, he says, but if Christ is in you. Now, hold up. In Ephesians, when he saved me, and in, in, in Philippians chapter 3, verse 20, when he saved me, he seated me in heavenly places where Christ is. So how can Paul say if Christ is in me? Now, is, is Paul trying to trick us? Of course not. Paul is saying, man, here it is, that when we say, Paul can even say in Colossians, it is Christ in us, the hope of glory. Well, how can Paul say that the Christ is in us? Because the role of the Spirit is to, here it is, it is to mediate the presence of God. It is, to, it is to mediate the presence of Christ in our lives. So, so, so because in John 14, 23, Christ said that I and the Father, we're going to send you the Spirit where we both can dwell inside of you. He can say that Christ can be inside you, though Christ is spiritually in heaven. There's, there's, he is not trying to trick that the work of the Spirit and the work of the Lord, they are in union. So he said that, 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 that Christ can be in you and the person of the Holy Spirit. Okay? So Christ is in you. The, the, spirit, the spirit is mediating the presence of Christ in you. And then he says, although the body is dead, this is present tense. Here it is. Christ is in me, but I'm dead. But my body is dead. The eternal Christ is in me, but my body is that makes sense of that for me, Valentine? And you know I will. That because of the sin of Adam, you can read this in Romans chapter 5. 
sin was, sin was, was imputed, ascribed to us. Even though you did not sin, but because one man sinned, the Bible says we all sin. We all would die. Because of one man, we get the, the short end of the stick, y'all. Adam messed it up for all of us. That's why the only thing that I know that's batting a thousand for a thousand is death. Because when Adam sinned, it brought forth physical and, in a sense, spiritual death. So, so, so the body is the body is wasting away. It's decaying. It's it's being destroyed. It's 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 deteriorating. What I found out about life is this: a human being is born wrinkled. If he or she lives long enough, they'll die wrinkled. That's, you're gonna be you're gonna be wrinkled. Wrinkled skin is part of the curse. But there are people trying to pay money to prevent their skin from being wrinkled. It's, hey, hey, that's part of the business, y'all. If you live long enough, you're going to die with some wrinkles. God is not concerned about putting life into something that's dead already. He's not going to give life through your blood. Paul is saying that, 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 that the body is dead because of the sin of Adam. But then he says, the spirit is life because of righteousness. Now what is he saying now? What is he, what is he saying? If you are saved, if you are a child of God, it is because the spirit of God, it, he initiated the saving work of salvation. So, so Paul says this, but God being, being rich in mercy because of his great love in which he loved us, even though we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive with Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved. This word made alive quickened. That, that before the Spirit of God started the work of salvation in your life, you were dead. You were unresponsive spiritually to God. But when God decided to save you, it was the Spirit of God that quickened you to cause you to repent and have faith in God through Christ. So he gave you life and now you, and the Bible says this kind of life, uh, Christ says this is eternal life. To know who? The only true God in Jesus Christ whom he sent. So when the spirit of God quickened your soul, you were then able to respond, to trust in Christ and now to have eternal life. You will see in a minute, that's called, uh, that's called positional, uh, 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 that's called positional righteousness. So let me, let, me just, let me just stop there and go forward. There are three types of righteousness. Okay, let me, again, it's the spirit, quickens your soul, Bans you to life, cause you to, 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 to trust in the work of God through Christ, and now you have eternal life. 
And because of that, God, in that, God, he, he approves you. So there are three kinds, there are three types of righteousness. The first one is self-righteousness. This is the, the deceiving righteousness. This is when a person uh, thinks that he can please God and reach heaven by his own merit. And in a sense, they reject the atoning work of Christ. So they step up the laces, try to do good to get to heaven. That's, that's not what Paul is talking about when he says, and the spirit is life because of righteousness. Paul is talking about something that's called the imputed righteousness. That is, this is our position. Paul says like this. For our sake, he, God, made him Christ to be sin, who knew no sin, that we might, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. I said earlier, when Adam sinned, all of us got the short end of the stick. So because of one man sinning, we all now are born into sin. But then the Bible says, because of one man's righteousness, we all now made righteous, y'all. This is, this, this is crazy. So, so, so when you put your trust in Christ, when the Spirit of God moves you to trust in God, here's the exchange that goes on. God gives you Christ's perfect righteousness. And he takes all your sin. One man. When you trust in Christ, something called the great exchange happens. God, through Christ, gives you the perfect righteousness of Jesus. So from that point on, until you see him, the only way that God the Father sees you as a son and daughter is perfect. You are as righteous as Jesus. Now, I know that many of you, you've you come here and you've been struggling with sin. Just like I have. But because of what Christ has done and not because of what you're doing, God has declared you positionally. He has positioned you in Christ to be righteous. He got your sin. And we got his righteousness. But watch this. Now that we have this position, now there is to be a practice. It's called practical righteousness. This is the moment-by-moment salvific work of of God, where God, he is sanctifying us moment by moment as we obey his word and as we allow the spirit of God to to do the work that we cannot do. So we have been positioned to practice. Paul says we need to offer our bodies, our members, as instruments of what? Righteousness. That we are not to give in to to sin and its lust, 
but we are to present our bodies to God as those that have been delivered from death to life and to present our bodies as instruments of righteousness, that we are to now live in obedience to God because he loved us, we now love him by choosing him over sin. That is practical righteousness. And y'all, check it out now. Because you have received this from God, because of Christ, the Bible says that should give you life. But also, whenever you choose righteousness over sin, that's also life. I told the first service. Now, y'all might be shocked when I tell you this, but I'm going to tell you anyway. I struggle with lust. And God, through my obedience, through prayer, primarily, man, because I believe the gospel, that there is no condemnation, that God, he has graced me with the spirit, man, to, to be victorious over, over sin. But yet, I still struggle with it. So there was a point in my life where I would go to the gym and I would try to get my fine on. I would go on the treadmill and I'd get my fine on. I'm getting my fine on, get my fine on. I'm, I'm, I'm working out, I'm working it out, trying to stay fine and fit. That's what I'm doing, that's what I'm doing. Mind my own business. And then she comes. All these machines around here and she gets on a machine in front of me. Now I'm trying to do right. I'm trying to do right. I'm running. She come on. She start running. God, I hear you, God. So I take the machines. I'm gonna do. Get my sign on, y'all. Get my sign on. Another one pops up. So I say, all right, all right, all right. I have resolved now to go to the gym in the wee mornings. Maybe they won't be there. I go in the morning at 5.30 in the morning, I'm getting my fire on. And they're there. But now, there's something different. I don't have to move anymore. Because in these moments now, Spirit of God, I want to experience life in peace in this moment. I want you now to dominate me, to control me. I give, I give you authority now, God, to, to rise up to such a degree in my life where I'm going to choose righteousness over sin. So even if she's there, I won't look, I won't lust, God. I will look unto you, the author and perfecter of my faith. So now I go to a gym, and they're everywhere. <laughs> but I'm able to get my fine on without a lusting, because now in this moment I am allowed the Spirit who dwells in me to give me life by having victory over sin and not submitting to the lusts and passions of it. That's life. 
enjoying your best life now. Not stuff, but having spiritual victory over sin and Satan and self because of my love for Jesus. That's the life that Paul is saying. The Spirit gives you life by first of all being approved by God not to work for that, but also he gives you life by causing you to have victory over sin now. But that's not the good part of this text. Verse 11 is though. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells inside of you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead through the spirit that dwells inside, he will also give life to your mortal bodies by the Spirit of God who, who dwells inside of you. Look what Paul is saying. He's going against the Roman argument at the time. At the time, the Romans thought that the physical body were disgusting, a disgrace, and they, and they couldn't wait for their old bodies to be put to death. But Paul, he's going to say, oh, oh, oh the physical body, is, that is, the glorified body is something to look forward to. Why? Because the Spirit of God, who has made you a true believer, the Spirit of God, who's, who's giving you life over sin and now a relationship with the Father, this same Spirit that when, you're, when this mortal body dies, He is going to resurrect you. He's going to resurrect your body. Look what, look what Ray Ortland says about this. God is promising that you are going to be better than when you were at your best. Think about that. Think about your best moments, best times, when your body was in supreme condition, in your prime. Because that's nothing compared to what's coming up here in the future, he says, you have never experienced what you are going to be. You've never experienced it. You're in the already and not yet phase, age of life. He says, you and I have never experienced real life. Think about that one. You and I, we have never experienced real life. Maybe you say, man, what is real life? In the book, Revelations, it talks about there will be a time when there will be no more, no more death, no more pain. No more sorrows, no more troubles, There's no more seas. There will be a time when Satan will be sent to the lake of fire and will never have to be tempted by him again. There will be a time where we are, whereas we won't have the struggle with sin and spirit. There will be a time 
where there will be nothing that where lust will be eradicated and nothing but the pure love of God will be exalted. When is that time? Well, I can tell you that that time is not now. We experience it. We experience it now and then, here and now, but never consistently. Well, when does it happen? Paul, he shines a little light on this. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable. And this mortal body must put on immortality. For the perishable, he says, for, 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 the, for when the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then we shall say, then shall come to pass, the old saying, as it is written, death is swallowed up in victory. You hear Paul now getting excited. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? But thanks be, no, he says, for, for, for the sting of death and sin and the power of sin is law, he says. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. He says, therefore, my beloved brothers, in this case, sisters, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in him your labor and your toil, your work, it is not in vain. Paul is saying in verse 11 that one day the same spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is going to also give life to our mortal bodies and raise us from the dead that we might be with him in a glorified body for eternity. We haven't experienced the best yet. So when I, when, I, when, I, when I hear this and when I see this, man, I'm kind of like Paul. For me to die is gain. Y'all, I got bad knee. I'm 41 years old. I park in disabled parking. Bad back, bad knees, sometimes a bad mind. I mean, I'm really jacked up. But one day... This body is going to be put to death. And the spirit of God that dwells inside of me, he's going to resurrect me and cause me to be in eternity, experiencing the love and joy of the Godhead. And I cannot wait for that. Because the spirit dwells inside of you, 
He's given you life to know that you are a true believer, that you have been regenerated by the power and by the life of the Spirit, and that one day this dwelling Spirit will resurrect your bodies and you will enjoy the life that he saved us for. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for today. We love you. And it's great news to know that the Spirit of God would never be evicted, that he dwells inside of us. And because of that, we can say that we are not in the flesh, that we are not controlled and or dominated by the flesh. But there are moments more than not where love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness and goodness and uh, 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 gentleness and self-control is, is being produced in our lives by the Spirit, God. And God, for that, we want to say thank you. That there are moments even now where you will cause us to experience life. And God, we want to say, God, that if we have not thought it life being yours and having victory over sin, let us repent. Now, that's the life you saved us for. To know that we are yours. That sin does not have dominion over our lives anymore. We don't have to choose sin. Romans 6.14 makes it clear that we can master sin as we allow your spirit to do his marvelous and miraculous work in us. We don't have to be bitter. We don't have to be angry. We don't have to walk around constantly struggling with this and struggling with that. Why? Because you the all-providing, the all-powerful God has chosen to dwell in us fully. We don't need help from the outside. We need to pray that the God on the inside, that he would fill us and satisfy us and will continue his conforming work in us to Jesus. I pray that we as your sons and daughters will understand that. But can I pause and just turn just for a little for that person, that individual who don't know Jesus. And right now you're struggling. And it seems like you have no help at all. That you try this person, you try that person, you try those people, and, and nothing seems to give you joy. Nothing seems to give you peace. Why the Bible says the mind that is set on the flesh is death. But the mind that is set on the spirit is life in peace. The spirit of God. He wants to take up residence. He desires to dwell in your hearts. But will you now just, if that's you and you have not done that, would you now in this moment just throw your life 
on the finished work of Jesus? Will you throw your life on his grace and mercy? Will you throw your life? Say, God, I need you. I need you to come and dwell in me, to make me yours, to give me strength to live victorious in this life, spiritually over sin, and to know I'm yours. And so this is not all of life. That one day that same spirit that dwells inside me, he's going to resurrect me into a glorified body because flesh and blood cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Father, I thank you. And I pray that that person or persons who've decided to have a relationship with you. If that's you, there is a box, there is a cord under your seat. Please fill that cord out. Write your name on that card and your number, and I promise you, and check in the box our desire to have a relationship with Jesus. Somebody will get with you this week, I promise you, and we will join in that walk with you. Father, we thank you. And I leave with the encouragement that Paul left with the Corinth church. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in him your toil is not in vain. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Stonegate Church, located in Midlothian, Texas. For service times, additional audio and study resources, as well as information about our church, please visit us at stonegate-church.com.